<laughs> right, right, let's do this team. First coaches meeting online. Coachcast is what you've called Coach it. Coachcast. I did call it that. Coachcast. Um thought it'd be cool to get us all together and we can just chat about coaches stuff. Peeves what we feel like is important at the moment to be talking about getting across, um, you know, certain messages to the athletes um, and just stuff we're all curious about. So I'm going to kick things off with first memories of JST when you were either an athlete or coach it could be six, seven years ago when you first started. Um, it could be, you know, a couple of years in. But what memories stick out in your mind when you think of GST? So, Jamie, I'm going to kick off with you, mate. Right. How did I get started? Um, I used to see um, a shell of a man called Ben Massey come back to my gym like every now and again when he had been up to this place called Wigan. And I'd been up there and played rugby and got spanked. And then um, Ben used to go up and get spanked around Wigan and then come back. But then he'd come back and get a little bit better and kind of went to the games, didn't he, in 2017 with you boys. I went out with uh, one of my athletes and then we got chatting, got to know each other. And then the second time, there was a couple of years... Where I was like, oh, it'd be quite cool to kind of do some stuff for you guys, but the paths never aligned. And then in 2019, <laughs> second time around, we went and uh, I basically cornered Steve in, in, the, in the airport and was gassing to him and we were hungover, I think. And then um, I was like, yeah, Sarah. mate, if you need anything, just send me a message. And then he did send me a message. And uh, now uh, I say the rest is history. I'm, I'm now part of the, I am part of the Southern Soul. I forgot when I said this before that Dave is from London as well. But, um, yeah, I'm the translator. I'm the guy that's uh, it, there for the class programming. Before you joined like us and before the 2017 games and before Ben came up to Wigan, were you aware of GST? Like, you know, or was it just kind of the London scene, whatever was going on down there, didn't know anything north of the wall? Like, yeah, any memories I, before that or not? Totally. JST was the, the place to be, right? If you, uh, if you wanted to be good at CrossFit competition in London, there wasn't... London hosted the competitions, but then all of you lot just drove in for the day kind of thing and did all of that. So, uh, yeah, in, uh, in London, um, there wasn't much competitive CrossFit going on. It was more um, just facilitating comps and seeing you guys like roll down. And we knew... I think that's why Ben searched it out or you guys searched Ben out. He's kind of competitive, but needed a bit more. And there wasn't anything around him in London. I know Jack and I went on a podcast with Matt and same kind of thing. Just searching out competition in London was quite few and far between. Um, whereas now it's, uh, yeah. it's everywhere. But that's how, that's, that was the yeah. reputation you guys had. You come and you took over, um, which I enjoyed. I like competition. I can't be afraid of losing. Um, and if, yeah, you've got to be with them, right? <laughs> what's the what's the saying, David? Yeah, you can't beat them. Join them, <laughs> hey. David. On on to you. So initially, you I feel like you almost hated JST when you were first kind of aware of us. Is that fair? Is that not fair? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Hated JST. Is this, um, is he still there? Uh, seems to have a little wobble on it. He's, he's, he's frozen just at the, just at the right time to his, avoid. Uh, yeah, his comeback, <laughs> his comeback is not there. Sorry. Sorry, you were, you were, I had to just, uh, I was just uh, reconnecting my internet there, but it was well timed because I got some time to think about my response. So now I'm, <laughs> no, so I think you're probably referring back to when uh, it was uh, team JST compete versus the rest of the UK. And I fell into that category of the rest of the UK, uh, similar to Jamie as um, you were the dominating force. And for many years, uh, as I remember it when I first started CrossFit and after that regionals when um, I first came across Steve and uh, British Championships or Battle of London or like, the one that's changed its name 16 times. We, I remember Steve <laughs> on the podium there. And since then, from that point, it was, I think, probably through about, hmm, talking like 2014, 15, uh, Steve, yourself, Jack, uh, and other members of the JST compete team were the boys to beat and uh, you were like whenever I remember training with Will Kane and whenever we went to competitions it was always like spotting those guys like right those are the those are the top top of the food chain in the UK those are the ones we, we need to have our eyes on and try and beat and over the years I think we, we, we had a few competitions and maybe we won maybe we we won a couple and uh, but JST was always the dominating force so after I moved away to Sweden um, and competed for a bit there uh, and saw JST continuing to grow over the pond uh, it was um, I think I think it was like the natural progression to kind of to move towards contacting Steve and, and try and like see what what it is that you guys were doing that was so special that was the reason why you just kept on getting better and better I think uh, I'm going to just chip in here with a few early memories and then I'm going to let this let this roll on to you, Steve. Uh, next, before we finish with Philroy, um, like a few, obviously, like I joined JST as a gym, but kind of, I always remember looking at you know other little pockets of groups around the UK and in Denmark, like the Bulgarian trio, uh, some of the weightlifting 101 training camps as well. That like quite a few JST athletes used to used to go on, and I always used to get. FOMO of, of that because when I first came across you know JST and became a part of it I still had a proper job so I was like fuck's sake I'm missing out on all these uh, little training camps and like training full time um, and f for me it was all those little memories of I want to be a part of that a bit more um, which kind of really sticks out in in my mind from my first kind of memories of uh, JST as well um so yeah steve um I'd, I'd like to revert the conversation slightly back to to david if possible because i, I feel like we've not um <laughs> spoke about <laughs> we've not really spoke about like um also we've got a great relationship now as coach coach athlete relationship coach coach like as we both working together as coaches friends um <laughs> but previously uh to the to when David followed the pill and sent me the message in 2018, um, we've not really sp <laughs> spoke about like you know what not not that anything was ever bad or you know um, but there was definitely there was definitely that competition there between 
there was like you, wasn't there? And then there was Will Kane. You were the CrossFit Cheltenham kind of oh yeah group. Yeah, yeah. And I think Nettie was also part of that as well. Um, so you had like a little bit yeah. of a, a, ga- a gathering a group of athletes who were making, you know, um, some good progressions and, and getting yourself on the on the European scene as well. Um, my very first uh, uh, memory of David was the Battle of London, which was one that I got on a podium at. And you, I don't, you, you probably do remember, I'm, I'm, that's probably a stupid thing to say, but, but if you remember winning the heavy grace at 80 kilos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, do you know who came second uh, on heavy grace? I think I do. I think I do, yeah. Yeah, who was it? Uh, you could you could say the name. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> I, I thought I'd won heavy grace. I thought right, I'd just banged this complex, and I thought I'd won heavy grace, and I was buzzing, and I just got this shoulder, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tap on the shoulder, and he was like, and it, and I looked around, and then looked up, and uh, <laughs> like, oh shit, I just beat you on that. <laughs> I got from David, and I was just like, eh, no. <laughs> I won. Like, no, I won. You, everyone was in like, a, a line. you must have been able to see me like five people down, and I think you'd, you'd done me by a couple of seconds. But it was it was at that point so, that my. So I I remember this I remember this event as well, and I, I think what actually happened was. I was on it was the rig down the middle, and there were lanes either side of the rig, and everyone was facing one way. Yeah, and. Um, I at this point was a was a nobody, and uh, the many of the people in the in the in the like ranked higher were on the other side of the rig, and so I could hear on the I could hear on the the mic like them updating like who was in the lead and like who was in what place, and I could hear your name over and over again, and I could hear them counting your reps, and that was my first big competition. So in my head, like you don't get used to that that uh, you, you're still getting used to that process of listening to where other people are and thinking about where you are and then trying to figure out how much you need to push or or whatever and it took me a while to realize that I, i'm i'm about i'm about a rep ahead of what they're <laughs> the guy that they're talking about and i remember just trying to like rip the bar off the floor as quickly as possible to make sure i could stay that rep ahead and i think i finished and the announcer didn't even mention that i'd finished because he was still talking <laughs> about you <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> that was one of that was a, a the point where being a nobody is a blessing because you could just fucking hammer it and they're just right still through. talking about the guy over there and see had no idea <laughs> uh, sneaky and uh, yeah so i remember that and then i knew who you uh, who you were then and then it was only a couple of months later that it was regionals um, when you made your first regionals, 2014, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Where where you and Will came, and uh, that was a particularly bad open for me. I just scraped open qualification, and I remember it was one. It was you or Will posting that you were the highest ranked Brit out of the open that year, and I was like, oh, I that'd be Will, yeah. Motherfucker, that's my that's my title. Don't don't be going around saying that that you're that. And then we got to the um, got to the to the regionals event, and I can't remember. It must have been after day two, and you two were like neck and neck with each other, and one of you was just in front. Mm. And it must have been Will again said that you were, he had posted that you were both the top two UK athletes. 
out of regionals, and I was just like a couple of spots behind you, and I was like, these motherfuckers are getting on the final poking bird. the bear. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, 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 they know how to wind me up, these two. They're, they're coming for me, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, uh, what was it? Yeah, I won the handstand push-up event, and then there was like a, um, the final was uh, the 64 pull-ups and heavy overhead squats, and I end up, uh, I beat you and Will, and I just remember, like, I didn't qualify for games, I got seventh, so I knew, I knew that qualification wasn't going to be on the card, so I just wanted to make sure I was top UK, and I remember going over the line, looked to me left, and I saw Will fail an overhead squat, and I just took my belt off and just fling, flung it up in the air about <laughs> me, and I just like, hey. <laughs> because um, I got my little brown back. Um, so yeah, there was there was definitely like that little bit of a uh, uh, like a not beef, but like friendly competitive, like competitive beef between between us and yourself. And then there was all the there was the strength in depth um, with Team JST mm. and, and Cheltenham, which probably did get more heated on the actual competition weekend, which. Um, I feel like we could probably talk about yeah. this for an hour with the memories that I've got. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it definitely, it definitely had that, um, that, that like, yeah, like you say, that rivalry, just a healthy amount of animosity, um, just, uh, which I think goes hand in hand with uh, being a competitor. Like it, it sometimes helps to kind of uh, turn your opponent into this like uh, enemy which uh, yeah for some people anyway definitely definitely for me and even there's no actual uh like personal connection there with like who they are as a person it's just you you turn them into that person and they they, they become a little bit easier to target your efforts do you feel like beating. that is missing a yeah, little too definitely. much in crossfit now because is this still i know oh man there's there's none of that in crossfit there's none of that <laughs> There's no smack talk at all. Like, how much smack talk is there in basketball, in rugby? Oh, man. That's like, like, that's like half, half the competition is what so you're saying. So do you think there should yeah, be more smack crumble. talk? You know, I... People I, crumble. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, th I, I think that uh, it's not just there should be more smack talk. It's that there, even now, if you do talk a little bit, if you talk a bit of shit people's response in most sports is to like is either to like to respond or laugh it off and mm. like understand that like you're trying to you're trying to rile them up in crossfit it's just like <laughs> oh it's so arrogant oh it's so big-headed it's like yeah. mate you just it's trying to like get the competition going and get the juices flowing yeah. <laughs> i um i just found i just found the message so fast forward a year 2015 is the year that i um won the Open in Europe, having the year before had like a very bad Open, just some bad workouts, just wasn't really prepared for the Open, to be honest. And um, I got a message from David the day after the uh, Open had finished, and I got top in Europe. <laughs> and this is what the message said. I forgot said. about this message until you reminded me, reminded me about it the other day. Hey Steve, just wanted to say congratulations on winning the Open in Europe this year. As I'm sure you know, you've silenced a lot of haters who might have thought you might not make it this year after your open placing last year. Anyway, good luck in Denmark. Look forward to seeing Force on the back of the CrossFit Games top this year. And I was like, this is my favorite. 
It's a positive negative. <laughs> Sandwich year, it's like, congratulations, right at the top. And at the end, it's like, look forward to seeing you at the game. In the middle, a lot of people didn't think you'd make it to regionals this year. And I was just like, hey, hey, mother. Silence, a lot of hate. Uh, what, what number is connected to a lot here? Are we talking like you know, <laughs> hundreds of people? Are. Yeah, oh. I, I, I don't know if I can cast my mind back and far enough to understand that that kind of compliment. Yeah. I've never heard that message before. That's class. <laughs> oh, but there's definitely there's not that many targets on backs. Yeah, I feel like like that's there used to be a big target on your back there, Steve, which you can obviously see from. From that message and, you know, the bit of animosity between Cheltenham and, and GST. But, yeah, there's <laughs> definitely none of that anymore. Um, I think it's more so, like, I know, like, Jamie, you, for example, you give a bit of smack talk to, like, you know, James Dollar when you're doing, like, the local kind of competitions of turf games and that sort of stuff. But, mm. yeah, I feel like when you get to that... Mm kind of semi-finals level, there's very little smack talk, if at all, these days. Um, so, yeah. I think a lot of people that are now... Why I think do you a think lot that of people is? Are not, we all come from mm. sporting backgrounds, whereas a lot of the newer CrossFitters now, their background is CrossFit, and they haven't had that, like... Yeah. I remember mm. I played rugby against a team called Wakefield, and they painted their changing room fluorescent pink... <laughs> And it was like a little tin shed and they hate it. Like, and then one of our players like went mad in it and started going all over the place. So I remember that game was one of the toughest games I've ever played. And it was like, all of those kind of situations are, are things that like shape you. So then, yeah, you chirp into people. You, you're not, you, you want to poke the bear. Like with James, I know if I get into him, he'll probably perform better. He's a mate of mine. And it's like, just let him know at the right time and it'll get performance improvement. And I think we'll talk about some training stuff later. It's, Training is just not a flat line. Like you need the arousal levels, you need that competition um, element in there so that your performance can improve. Like those people that do stuff that you never thought they could, they learn how yeah. to use it. I think that I think that's a good point about uh, pe people from other sports. I think there's a go on. I was going to say I think there's a significant amount of confidence that the athlete needs in order to warrant given the smack talk yeah. out. So, like, you've got to be confident in your abilities of what, how are you going to perform at that competition or, like, I don't know, if the events have been released, like, how are you going to do on each event? So you're, not, you're really going to smack talk it if you know that, actually, you've not been training very well, uh, you're carrying injuries, you're going to flop yeah. when you next, just like a tool. Um, so I think there's an element of, like, the athlete just has to be confident that, you know, they can back up the smack talk, and if they're still, if they're gonna still maybe like get beat by the other person, at least they can go out and give a good, you know, um, representation of themselves. So there's a bit of respect there. I don't think you find many like people will smack talk and then just like no, just pull out after day one. And if and if they do, then <laughs> then yeah, they probably shouldn't smack talk joke. in future. I, th um, I think the but, yeah, I think that's. that's you know, if, I, if I've ever been where I talk something up, I'm talking up strict hands and yeah. push-ups and split jerks, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be talking up a deadlift workout. <laughs> I, I, think the, I think the other one is, is as well is 
when it's a team sport and you know people have got your back, you're a bit more inclined to do it as well. But when you're kind of on your own a little bit, it's a bit like, mm, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm going to look a right dick if I do this and I've not got a couple of people behind me who are, you know, bigging me up here and even if it doesn't go to plan. But yeah. Yeah. And all the while, while all this ha- was happening, Phil Roy was still in nappies. <laughs> he, he certainly was, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was kicking the ball around the field. So, Phil Roy, <laughs> you're you, the first... Um, go on. Do you want to go to... Your JFP yeah. and, then my, and then go mine. See ya. Yeah, do your JST memories, because then I'll kind of, because my memories are just pretty much the majority of my life, so um, here for a while. Go on, Phil, right? Yeah. Is it me now? Ah, sweet. So for me, it was, so I started CrossFit 2018, and it was because a mate of mine was on JST, and then go forward onto that. I joined JST, and then... I think the first, probably possibly the second time you did like a, a regionals or like just a training day, it was in Sa- Sammy Wright's gym, oh. the Utopia. And then it was funny, like I was... Hold I was there a sec. By listening to Taxi. Did you find out about GST for YouTube? It was, yeah, originally through YouTube, it was uh, Craig Rich's video where you guys ah, were okay. training. It was when yeah. Sammy Wright had his long, nasty hair. Um, so through, it was through YouTube and then seeing the Netflix documentary. So I was literally brought through that, watching literally any, I actually went on YouTube, <laughs> typing JST and just binge watch through every single video that was on there. And then literally, and I roll on, I think the first time I ever met you, Jack, I was too scared <laughs> to go and talk to Steve. Um, uh, so I spoke to you for like, I think 10 I seconds. To, we spoke to the, the friendly, cuddly Jack instead. <laughs> And then roll on. So I was at fit- fitness racing, um, yeah. and I was with Taz, um, and roll on a few months um, at Sammy Wright's gym. I asked you all, um, "Can I come down for the training day?" I remember thinking about this the other day. On the way down, it was going to take me like two and a half hours, even though I only live in Sheffield. From Sheffield to Leeds in the car, it's about an hour. But I was contemplating. I'm like, "There, I don't really want to go here." Yeah. I was like, like, a bit anxious. In my head, I'm like, I should go home now. Let's go home because I had to get a, two different trains and then an Uber over there. When I got there, I arrived a few minutes late <laughs> and I couldn't find the place for like 10 minutes. I remember messaging you, and then I was like, I got there and I saw Steve, and I was like, Oh, shit, Steve. <laughs> and then I walked in, and then after that, it was all kind of kind of good. Like, got to know you was pretty well. And then after that, roll on a few months, Steve's like, Oh, do you want to come down to train? I was like, Nah, nah, it's must be a joke or something. It's funny how then, it, it's like developed right, from meeting yeah. people through competitions to then, you know, finding out through YouTube. Like just yeah. watching a vlog, watching all the stuff on YouTube, and next thing yeah. you know, you're at a training day and just doing. You're on the videos rather than watching them. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Well, he's making well, yeah, them. Never mind on them. He's making them. He's editing them and uploading them <laughs> on our YouTube channel. Um, I actually think Philroy's story is, uh, is is so good because, like now we've developed um, 
mm. the pathway, haven't we? It's where, you know, from where people can find CrossFit, start CrossFit, get into competitive CrossFit, and then follow a pathway then to reach an elite level. And Philroy started that pathway four years ago. And before we've even actually written the pathway down and created it, he's got to the, he's got to the top of that pathway just from the kind of programs, the services, and just like the events that we're putting on. And he's just naturally followed that pathway before we've actually identified that there was, there was even one uh, that was there. So finding that on YouTube and, you know, social media, subscribing to the program, letting himself known by putting scores in. Me, me and you, Jack, we, 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 we were aware of him um, probably before Philroy knew that we were aware of him. Um, hence why, you know, he said it was all good about him coming down to, to train with us because we, you know, we knew that he had some um, talent. I'd had quite a few people actually message me, like, telling me to look, look out for him. Uh, Luke, Hall, Luke Hall being one of them. Um, and then comes to a training day, meets us. We meet him. Lift together, train together, work out together, blah, 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 stay in contact, and then keep in contact with training sessions. And then fast forward over the space of a year, he's coming down every couple of weeks to then move to Wigan, become a coach, like part of like an integral part of the team, and is here in this gym, here training full time. So I just think it's, it's quite a bit of a, an inspiration for people who are kind of new into CrossFit and know, like, all of us knew that like the competitive scene is something that we're passionate about um, and then just kind of followed what we have to, to offer to you know, yeah. make it work to the top. Yeah. Do you remember the PB that set on that day? On both 10 kilo PB. It was a, it was a snatch. <laughs> I'm clean. 10 kilos. Yeah. I'm yeah. snatching clean and chick. Yeah. Remember it. I remember the high five. Yeah, I was the looking forward five. to finishes. Oh my god! Bang, wait, bang, wait, bang! Wait, that high five. Hand was that one. Fucking hell! I think that's what. Percentage next week, and I was like, ah, shit. Yeah, everything's gone off. Steve, what are your memories from over the years that particularly stick out? My. Uh, Alpha. Alpha. Yeah. What memories yeah. stick out the most? Um, I think I'll start like one of the very first memories and how it all just started. Someone's got a very loud microphone here. Remove someone. Fully David. Yeah. David washing his hands. Is that any better? <laughs> Um, so at CrossFit JST, we, we started getting, you know, naturally a group of people who were, uh, also getting interested in competing. So I remember going in every Sunday, sitting on a beanbag in the corner of this gym and just starting. And, and I had like 15 different Google sheets tabs of all different members that wanted something, um, separate. Uh, to, you know, to improve on the weaknesses, get stronger, learn the skills, whatever. And I remember sat there just thinking, like, I'm writing all these 15 different programs, but everyone is like, everyone needs to learn ring muscle-ups, or everyone needs to improve the snatch technique, or, like, get stronger. Like, 
everyone was pretty much the same in what they needed. Um, and it was just that that kind of like light bulb idea is that rather than creating um, like 15 different spreadsheets, let's just get them all on one and just have everyone attached to the one and just write a program that's going to suit everyone. And that was the kind of start of the first uh, JST Compete online program. And it was a Google tab. So people could go in and just edit the spreadsheet. They could go in and delete the whole thing like it happened a couple of times. Someone who's a bit of a, a technophobe could go in, highlight it all, press delete, and it's gone forever. Um, so it happened, it happened a couple of times, but people could also like, it had, had everyone's, so it had the program and then it had like columns after it. It had everyone's name tab and that was what yeah. they put the results in. And because of just the kind of, you know, the light-hearted banter side of it, people would go in every day, change everyone's names. Like Kieran Hart got called Elton John, like most of the time. Like everyone's name was just getting like changed to something probably really offensive or, you know, inappropriate. Um, and result, people's results would get changed because it'd be funny to see that someone like maxed out in snatch at like 23 kilos. And uh, it's just, that's, that's where it all, all um, started really. Um, until we kind of developed a website that was a little bit more kind of professional and you couldn't, you couldn't alter anything. You just needed to be able to go in and, and record your results. So that was like my very early, probably first uh, memories of like how it began. Um, and then I think, I can't remember what would be the next biggest. Obviously we had that, the regionals, like actual regionals events where we'd have a team there. Um, but it was more then I started turning up to competitions like renal trials or, um, you know, just any of these like national competitions. You'd turn up and you'd see random people that you'd never seen before. And they've got a JST top on or you just scroll Instagram or Facebook and you'd see someone on the top of a podium yeah. with like a purple t-shirt on and you'd be like, just start that, that surreal feeling of just like, it's not just these people in our gym anymore. There's like, you know, 30 to 50 people around the country that are following it and they're following it and going standing on podiums. It's not just us that are following it and standing on podiums. And that was kind of a bit of a, a weird feeling, but that, at the same time, like when I realized that, you know, this could turn into something um special and a lot bigger than what it currently is if we you know fully pursue it and it was in and around that time jack that you would you had started i think around that 2015 yeah 16 period it was just like do you know what we need to put we need to put more in, into this to, to help it grow to level it yeah. can grow too it's it's yeah, funny I mean, i've i've managed to find some so of the yeah, some so of the old programming like Google spreadsheet from from back in the day, and and like you say, I've got Jack Fat Boy Cornflake here, aka Twat, aka Part Timer. So that's kind of some of the uh, <laughs> some of the names. Uh, Brad, Brad Big Shag Clark. I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> and that was that was from 2014, and the last edit was made in 2017 by Chris Passant. So who knows what he's been doing in uh, in 2017, Chris Passant. <laughs> yeah, he's probably, probably dissected it. But yeah, there was like a different program. I mean, looking at the names across here, uh, there's like 20 just in the gym that were following 18 that were you know somewhat competitive and following you know bits of that. So that was quite a lot straight off the bat. 20 people. 
you know, all following that together. And it just goes to yeah. show that, like, that momentum, especially when by word of mouth you start speaking to other people at other gyms, like, why it grew quite quick at the start. Um, and like say, there was, you know, so much more to it. Um, but I think it'd be good to go into now. Obviously, we've all been following the same program pretty much. We've all been following JST Athlete, um, you know, as, as athletes, as coaches. We've been following it a week ahead, haven't we, Steve, Philroy? Uh, Jamie, I think if you've been following it the week it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm up to date on that with a little bit of a crook ankle, so I can see <laughs> how you train around an injury. Um, just means you get a bit more hench up here, supposedly. <laughs> and David's following it a, a few weeks behind um, as well. And I feel like it's almost come full circle a little bit. So we went through, obviously, at that point, we were following, you know, pretty much the same program, everyone together. We've probably had, you know, a couple of years where me and you, Steve, were kind of flaking off doing bits and bobs, but we've kind of all come back round to, to following the same program again. Um, so I guess, how or what do you find the difference between following a competitive program with other people and maybe following something that's different or individual, um, you know, kind of more specific to you. Um, I'm just going to open the floor to this, to everyone here. David, do you want to go first and kick that off? Go on. I've, I've, yeah. Is he still there? Go on, I'll let David go. There you go. Taking that one, was it me? Go on, go on, I'll go, I'll go because I've got quite a lot to um, because obviously, yeah, been on both sides, yeah, go for it, times, really, in terms of obviously, in the beginning, the you know, the main program that we put out, it was my training that it started off, I would just write what I was going to do for the week, um, but knowing that I was going to be doing this with potentially 20 other people was what really helped keep me accountable that I was doing it with other people and it was kind of like not just me on my own where things could be changed here there and here here and there I was quite good when writing the program to kind of pull myself like out of like me as an athlete and put me as a coach looking at me as an athlete and the other people so I'd be able to write things that would be like the best thing for me to do not necessarily what I wanted to do and then when it came around to doing it a lot of the time I'll be like, oh, like, this is something that I, I know I need to do, but I don't really want to do it. But the simple fact that I was doing it with a larger other group of people really made me still keep doing it. So it's like that accountability of like, I was in this together with a larger group of people. Um, so that was often like a lot of the time what like kept me kind of consistent and kept me um, like on track with the program i feel like if i was if i if from the beginning of my like career i was just to be doing something that was straight up individual for me i would lose like probably lose like some consistency in there because you know things are probably likely to be changed or adapted and adjusted too much um and probably also just like 
call it the fun element, but like the fun element for me of competitive CrossFit is coming in and, and you know, doing that lifting session with Jack and Phil Roy in, in here. Like that to me, sharing a bar with a few other people, even if it's not sharing a bar, we know that Sean Hardwick follows, is following the program at the same time as us, knowing that he's 50 miles down the road, doing it in a couple of hours, it feels like he's sharing the bar with me because I know what he's probably going to be in and around lifting and it, it, it kind of motivates me to make sure I, I focus and have a good lifting session to make sure that not necessarily that I'm beating him, but you know, I'm putting up a score that is going to push him as well. And I know that's the same vice versa with him to me. Um, so for me, that's like probably the bigger part of training than it is if I was just to sit there. I've done programs where I've just been, you know, on my own grafting away in the corner. And don't get me wrong, there's times when like that's been that's probably the right thing for me to do, depending on like what I was training for. But ultimately, the the thing that I enjoy the most about training is doing it with doing something that's part of something with other people. Um, so yeah, don't know how uh, how you guys think. I think I feel like we've lost Jack here. Have we? We've lost the host of the coach cast. Um, not how you guys you've been through probably larger periods of time where you've had an individual program than you have when you've been following something that's the same as um other people so how what's your attitude towards like following that um you know majority group design program so i think the last time that i was following a program where I was training, following a program and training with a big group of other people was probably when I was um, on the team for the games in 2016. And then shortly after that, um, once we returned um, and I was training with a group of people at CrossFit Nordic for a while, and we were all doing the same online uh, program. Uh, and that was good. And it was, I think I felt a lot of the same things that you described there, that kind of accountability, um, that little bit of help every now and then when you have... Um, uh, when you don't really want to push or maybe like fancy just sacking off the session altogether, just having a group of people around you that you know are going to be hitting that session. You don't want to be the one that's out of the gym missing that when everyone else is going. Um, but since then, as you say, like, it's largely been individualized. Um, and I think that that's one of the, like there's pluses and minuses to both, isn't there? And I think that's one potential sacrifice that you make when you go for a more individualized program is that you are specifically attacking your weaknesses and exactly what you need to be working on. Um, which is relevant for a very small minority of people, to be honest, because there's very few people that really, truly do require an individualized program. Um, uh, but then on the other hand, you're missing that uh, that kind of partnership of working with a group of people and, and sharing a program with other people and having all the things that you've described there. Um, I think now how I've got it at the moment where the majority of what I'm following is the JST athlete and then uh, like Steve, you and I working together to drop in bits here and there that I need on top of that. And um, it feels like a really good balance because although I don't get to train with you guys often, I still get to benefit from knowing that you've done the same, the similar, the same workout or the same lift a week before or two weeks before. Um, we chat about like we're sending each other lifts all the time. We're chatting about how workouts felt and how lifts felt. So you do feel like you've almost got, you've got the training partners, even though they're not here in the gym with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think from my perspective on, on training, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I'll go. Um, yeah, tra no, yeah go on, training on, you is, is something that I've always grown up doing. And then 
I never I was never able to train on my own. Like I'm always in a gym. So I'd just rope people into doing our sessions and they'd be like, right guys, let's let's train together and they they'd just jump on board. And then the one thing I did notice that when I went in when we went into lockdown, I I actually learned how to train on my own. And it developed a new side to my training, which was I never really yeah. thought I had like no one's watching you do devil presses in your back garden, but it's very easy. Like I was probably more on the on the coaching side of it, like it was easy to probably sack it off, but like no one would have known and, and that kind of stuff. Whereas you develop that that balance and now I kind of if there's people in the gym I'll get them involved. Um if there's no one in the gym I'm quite happy to get the, those sessions done. And I think that comes from experience. Like a lot of people think of um it's just easy, isn't it? It's easy for the top like top guys or, or coaches, you're always at a gym, but that motivation, it's not about the motivation, it's about the discipline to actually get the session, get it up on the board. Your post was really pertinent last night, Dave, about not every session is going to be perfect, but actually what can you take from every single session you do? Um, because if you can just take one little thing from it, it will build into massive habits going down mm. the line. So yeah, I enjoy a group, um, a bit like the smack talk I talk about, like there's a great story a long time ago. We, uh, Matt Rodwell, Ben and I, we were training. I mean, this was years ago. We were following the mayhem programming. And it was like 10 rounds, 10 wall balls, 10 sumo deadlift high pull. And Simon turned up late. Um, and he was like, what's the workout? And we said, it's 10 and 10. He went, what's the weight on the sumo deadlift high pull? We went 80 kilos. We just lied. And we just watched this guy, Simon, bless him. Only little, just warming up. And we're just stood around warming up our wall ball, even though we didn't need to warm it up. And he gets to 60. And he's like, I'm, I don't think I can do 80. He was like, well, look, we are. Um, and then he got to, he, he did one at 80. And went, boys, I can't do 100 sumo deadlifts at this. And we were like, no, nah, it's, like, it's only 40, mate. You're fine. But like training in a group, you get that smack talk, you get that joke. And like, I think he proceeded to beat us in that workout because it's it's 40 kilo barbell on a wall ball. He's, he's quite good at that stuff. But um, yeah, training in a group just takes takes the pressure off and it, it, it takes you for the ride, right? You know what's really important, what's interesting about that story there is, and Another benefit of like doing something in a group there is he tried to do eight yeah. kilo. <laughs> he tried to do eight kilo sumo deadlift high pull because in his head mm. that's what the group yeah. was doing. Like that was the session. So it's yeah. like if that's if that's him opening his phone or whatever, seeing it on his own, the likelihood of that's just going to get scaled before he even attempted is a lot higher than if he was to push, try and push boundaries, even though it was a stupid boundary to probably push, but it's just a, a great example of, you know, how it'll still potentially, it'll be, you know, entertained more so to push boundaries of the weight that he's going to use because, you know, a group of people were doing it and he didn't want to be that person that just like, you know, scaled it when the others... You did say it was like weren't. two seasons later, sumo deadlift high pool was at regionals, wasn't it? That 60 kilo sumo deadlift, he was like, I'm ready. That's how I remember he messaged. He was like, I'm doing this workout. I'm ready. <laughs> I did one two years ago at 80. I'm primed. I'm ready. Uh, I think the... the... That's, um, regard that you've said there about the training partners, uh, Steve. Yeah. Um, and that example that Jamie uses there is obviously like, it's, it's a bit more of like a, that's a bit more of a, like a piss take. Like you just rile him up and like uh, a bit of a tease because he's late. But yeah. it's still the same, the effect that it has where your training partner pushes you to go a little bit further than you would do alone 
is essentially like that's one of the key factors about having a training partner right that's the reason why you have each other or like a group of you there is because even on days when you're feeling good they can pull those that extra kilo or that like extra rep or chop that extra second off of your time and that's i think is a really important thing to recognize in your training partners and to try and give people as well as like be appreciative of receiving that from your training partners as well is that you're essentially all helping each other to be better than if yeah. you were uh, alone and that's so we call it the um we say rbe don't we and the roger banister effect and this week was a perfect example and with where we're up to now in the program in the, the time on attention sessions where um i think it was sean hit uh did sean hit like 27 or 28 bar muscle ups in a session and then i hit 32 and then sean uh, then evander hit 33 and then sean at 35 and then evander went and hit 40 all in the space of like 10 days and we don't we'd let be letting each other know like what we hit and it wasn't like you know screw you i beat you by uh you know a rep on this yeah. it was always about like well this is the standard now who's gonna who's gonna who's going to beat it and it was up, like someone always managed to squeeze another rep and then Evander's gone and, and stuck up 40 and it's just like well he's gone from hitting 33 a week ago and that feeling like that's yeah. what his maximum capability is to adding just over 20% well 20% to his max score just because like a group of people have hit that same thing and there's just that little bit of extra kind of um, motivation to push the boundaries a, a little bit more yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that type of thing for me, which is what I love about training in, in a group of people. Evander's 100 miles away up north. Sean's 50 miles away north as well, but Lancaster. We're not in the same gym. We could have all done those training sessions on our own, but the the benefit and the, the result of it is as if we were probably in the same gym doing it at the same time, trying to outdo each other. But, you know, we've done it over the space of a week in completely mm. different gyms. Yeah, I, I remember a similar. I had something similar. Uh, just a similar back. scenario, but it was uh, yeah. in 2017. I, I for me, and being in that group environment, I felt like that was probably probably the best kind of seven or eight months training I'd I'd ever had. Um, because you felt like you were going through it, you know, with someone else together, like more and when we did the 10 minute bike test uh with cameron there so there was you steve myself ben big kev Connolly was there as well uh and the girls were there like the levels the levels of intensity in that gym in that room at that point like it's probably some of the highest it's ever been over the you know seven years of doing crossfit other than maxing out and filling our boots um you know, with some other big sessions there, but for like a, con a session that wasn't weightlifting, that was, yeah, definitely one of the sessions that sticks out in my mind for having a group of people just, you know, being um, next level. Go on, Phil Roy. Yeah, for me, like something similar to what Steve was saying, but this is when I was playing football. Um, I remember being like 13, no, when I was 14, We'd always have um, programming, so the sports scientists would have like squatting twice a week. Then you'll have your extras of your, your pull-ups, your dips, and stuff like that. But we'd always have a, like a group of three or four lads that would always 
have our squats together, we'd be different percentages, but we'd always be like, all right, so who's hitting the squats first? And the, the person, whoever was there, was there squatting the heaviest that day, would go first and we'd go from the heaviest squat to the lowest squat, just so that everyone's like squatting together. Because in the team, there was a group of lads that kind of sacked it off. They were the lazy ones in the team. But every Tuesday, every Thursday, we'd always line up, be like, all right, lads, even when we went to um, Scholars, like some of the lads would be lazy in the change room, like 20 minutes. We'd always go in and be like, all right, lads, we're getting the squat sorted out. And we'd always push each other, like putting bank, putting like certain songs on to get each other going. And we never like let anyone slide. Like if um, if it was like, oh, you've got five reps and you only did four, but you got another rep to do, you know what I mean? It's kind of similar to how I think David was saying, whereby having a team together just makes you want to push each other even more, even though you know you're all doing different things. Just knowing that everyone's going to come together and kind of push each other to get the best out of that session and not leave anything Here, like hanging. That's why I've always enjoyed. I've always been used to. Here's like, a question for well. everyone: If you, if you had to choose between following a more generic program and uh, training with other people, like a group of people consistently or training uh, having an individual program and training on your own you, ca you can't train with anyone else ever um which person or which do you think is more likely to win the games or you reach your peak if you had to choose can you choose who you're training yes with? <laughs> yes you can Generic then. I think. Yeah. Uh, think of yeah, this. Way, I feel like we're all in the same boat. Yeah, following no. a, a suboptimal program optimally is much better than following an optimal program suboptimally. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. yeah. Where have you got that yeah, from? That's that's. Where do now, you reckon, absolutely. Cameron Nichols? Because like, that's what. That's what we push. <laughs> Yeah. It's bang on. It's, like, it's what we say in the, you know, that's what a lot of the work and the content and the advice and information, resources, whatever you want to call it, that goes into the program is about. It's like how, like, here's the program that we're putting a lot of time into to try and make it the best program for everyone, especially with the alterations that people can make themselves, depending on the skill level and whether they want to do strength bias or engine bias. So there's, there's something there that's going to cover the majority of people. But a lot of the time, like the notes that David's putting in and like the content that we put out is about how to follow this the best way in terms like, and it comes down to simple things that we always, you know, we always seem to pick, pick up when we're training with more people in person, like at regionals events and things like and training days is like not doing touch and go deadlifts when it's a five by five strength session of deadlifts, like resetting on the floor and rather than just like, you know, touch and go in to make those set, that, that set of five feel much more comfortable. Little, just little things like, and there's hundreds of those little things that are that fall into that category of training optimally, mm -hmm. uh, rather than just training to like tick the boxes that's that's there in the program. I think that's you know one thing that I think we all put a lot of uh, time and effort into, not only in our own training but trying to get those messages across to people who are training who've maybe not been exposed to that type of training like they get those messages 100 miles down the road you know or across the pond wherever they are 
Um, so that that transfers as well. And that's, yeah, that, that quote, I should probably get that written down somewhere. That's, um, that's probably exactly what, you know, we're all, we're all about and what we all believe in. And it's just like, it's about how it's obviously it's about what the program is. Don't get me wrong. It's how you do the program, which is more important. Um, I've come across mm. people that are paying hundreds of hundreds of pounds for a, for an individual program and just, just training, like, just training bad and it's just like it just not you just don't get the results there and it doesn't matter what who this coach is how much you've paid to do it and how much training you're doing if you're doing the exercises wrong or you know attacking the workouts in the wrong way then it defeats the object of of having a program in the first place yeah 100% we we we've definitely found that out mm. from doing those from having more people to Wigan, which has been really good because it's just the little things, isn't it? The little details in and around training. Like David puts them, you know, in his notes on the program so people can read it there. And then as well we've got the videos to show people so they can see it. But sometimes people just actually need telling. Um and I I feel like from doing, you know, the workshops, getting people to Wigan, seeing more people face to face at regional events, it's a lot more like the message gets through a lot more and it kind of clicks more. And I think people don't actually realise that they're doing things not quite right. They just don't realise for whatever reason. Um so I think yeah, the more face-to-face contact we can get with you know all these people as well as via online um yeah the the easier it'll be to get that message across as well but you know you've got to help yourself don't you um you've got to make the most of of what you can with where you are and i do think with the, the detail that we put into the program there's no there's no one else there out there that's putting in that same amount of detail even if it's an individual program and it's just, it's just not happening. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah. To do cool. Um, I think one of them, uh, I think, uh, I think you guys, I was going to say Jack and Steve, I think you're too nice. I think you're too nice. You're giving these people the benefit of the doubt well, too much. Expand. What do you mean? The, I, I think, there's a there's a significant group of or category of athletes who I think invest in a program and then they believe that the invest by investing in this program whatever program it is they are also by paying that money offsetting the responsibility of having to take ownership of what they're doing and pay attention to the details and we see it all the time athletes that they buy the program and been buying that program, the way that they train implies that their success is now guaranteed because they are doing X program. Uh, and when things don't go well, they look to the things that are probably the least relevant, which are, am I, are my percentages correct on the squats? Or have I done enough thrusters this week? Or I haven't had enough variety in my in my training because I, I saw these people online doing sandbag burpee over the box <laughs> and I haven't done that in seven days. You know, instead of looking at 
am I paying attention to the coach's notes? Am I making sure that I fully understand the intention of this workout and I am doing the workout the way that it's intended? Am I managing the intensity throughout the week the way that it is um, prescribed? Um, am I basically minimizing the gap between what the program, what the person who is programming or the people that are programming this program are putting in and my understanding of it? And within that gap is exactly what you said about all the notes, all the information, all the extra details, the videos, the descriptions, everything that we do to try and minimize that gap so that essentially you are getting 100% of the understanding and the intention of the program that we're putting out. And I think number one reason that it comes down to is laziness yeah. people they don't want to take the time to look to take the time to read the program and maybe that's down to they don't believe in the value of it they just think if they smash it hard they're going to get results yeah. maybe it's just because they can't bother to take the time for whatever other reason but if you're someone that feels like you're not getting enough out of your training the first thing you should look at is are you putting enough into your training are you taking the time to fully understand everything that's in your program and the intention behind it and only once you've done that can you then start to ask something of someone else i.e the person doing the program for extra um so. i'd like to make an addition and i've got a bit of a, 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 a laggy i think it might be me but one of so what david said there one of our main core values there is responsibility <clears throat> and so it's it's taking responsibility to like say read the notes and you know learn about the workout before you do it but also learn about the workout and yourself after it rather than just kind of like you know open the workout do the workout forget about it it's taking the responsibility to take that ownership of, of your own training and you need to be able to do that before you even think that you need an individualized uh, more of an individualized approach um i think that's uh, yeah that is a big part of it and you know what when you when you started that um chat then david it reminded me of when um i used to be a just personal trainer just a regular personal trainer in, in a gym and it all the clients were fat loss um related clients like people wanted to lose weight drop body fat um and I, and I soon learned within like six months, this this isn't for me. And it wasn't for me because it was exactly that what David said, where people felt, the, the clients felt like because they came to me for a PT session for that one hour a week, that that's what's going to help them lose weight. And for that, so for that one hour over, you know, one out of the 24 hours per that day, you think that that was enough to make substantial change to their body over a long period of time. And some people that didn't, like people didn't get results off that one session, their go-to decision, like thought process was, oh, should I do two sessions a week then? Should I do three sessions a week? I was like, so, but one, two or three hours, I, don't, I can't do the quick maths of, of 24 times seven, um, like 172 or something, is it? Um, like three hours of 172, if that was the right maths, is making fuck all difference to your body composition. And that's what, that was the deciding factor. It's like, I don't want to do this anymore because although there are people that will do it right and they'll follow it and they'll look after themselves after, you know, the training, uh, the, the PT session, the majority of the industry are just like, well, if I pay this, you know, £35 an hour, I'm paying this premium price for something that I'm going to get this personal session, which is going to help 
me, and then I can do whatever the fuck I want um, like after that uh, session, and that was, yeah. So that for me was the, that was when David said that, it just reminded me exactly of why I got out of personal training in like the, in the for that body composition, fat loss type um, people, because it was, it, was that, um, it was that approach all over. Yeah. It's like people think the more they pay, it's like, it's the better a, they get. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important for people to, maybe a way to look at it is when you make an investment, like you have your effort, like the time, the effort that you're willing to put in. And when you pay for a program or you pay for coaching, your effort remains the same. It's not that you then offset some of that effort to the, to the coach or the programmer. What you're doing is you're employing someone else to give you the guidance to make sure that your effort is going in the right direction and gets you like to your goal as optimally as possible. But what you have to put in doesn't change. It just means that what you put in potentially yeah. becomes more. Our job effective. is to maximize the, eff maximize the effort that people are putting in, that, that effort's being maximized to its full potential within training. Um, yeah. So on, on that mm. note of, you know, individual programming a little bit more, um, is there, like in what situation would an individual program, like, would you see more benefit? Obviously, if you've got a weaker area, you know, like makes sense to follow an individual program, but like, why would, for example, yourself, David, at what point were you like, yes, I need something more individual rather than it being generic? Do you know what I mean? What, at what point are you like, right, it needs to switch? Yeah. To, to be honest, I've spent majority, I think I spent majority of my CrossFit career training uh, mm -hmm. by myself um, or uh, training with like one other training partner and that training partner usually not being like um, for like scheduling reasons or otherwise like not being like having yeah. being consistent. So I figured that if I'm already training by myself, I might as well be doing something that is 100% optimized to what I need um, as opposed to doing a generic program that's, um, that other people are doing, but I'm not really in touch with them anyway. So it didn't really feel like it made sense. Um, and also I think like I have aspirations. I had aspirations then and, uh, to, to go to the games and still do now again. Um, and so I feel like that for me was, uh, a situation where I wanted to leave like no, possible stone unturned and even if it meant that by having an individualized program it only gave me that five percent mm -hmm. more or that ten percent more um as i was already training by myself i felt like that was a wor a worthwhile um reason to to go that that option um after looking back at it now though i think if i had a really solid group of people to train with or even just a really solid like one or two training partners to train with i probably would have reconsidered that decision a little bit in terms of maybe going for a little less of an individualized option, maybe a bit more of a generic option if it meant that I could train with guys like mm -hmm. basically you guys um, more often. 
Um, but I didn't have that situation. So for me, it made sense to go the individual. I think it, it comes down to that. And you've sent an email about it, Steve, to, to everyone. Is that alignment when the, you know, when the group aligns well together, it's, for me, it's a no brainer to all be, you know, for them doing most stuff together. Obviously there's, there may be, you know, one or two things each day or during the week that is a little bit more specific to each person. Um, but I think when the group aligns well together and they're all moving towards the same goal and training together on a, you know, on a daily basis, I think, um, it makes much more sense to, you know, be doing as much together as possible. Um, yeah. I think um, it's worth <clears throat> mentioning. So there's the three of us here, so Jack Philroy and myself, and um, there's Ella here. And Ella's, Ella's following it like a month or so back. She had semi-finals when we'd started previous to then. Um, but if you watch us and what we do day to day, I would probably say 85% of what we're doing is all the same. And then you'll see Phil Roy has some extra, like, of his handstand push-up work, stuff that he's got to do, and maybe, like, shoulder rehab, and some of the stuff might get adjusted or sw switched out so that he can accommodate for that. Mm -hmm. Jack, you had similar when you had your forearm, and it's getting a lot better now, but your forearm injury there, there was stuff that you'd have to switch out or do maybe slightly separately, which was going to, um, you know, work on your issues that you've had there. And I've got a similar thing with... Um, you know, I've got some movement work to keep my my hips um, moving nicely and um, be working on my deadlift, which sometimes I'll switch out for some of the similar variation, some of the similar accessory work that's in the program. Um, so there's, but everything that we're doing there is, yeah, we've kind of got the the knowledge and the education of, of being coaches and doing this for a long time. Um, but these are this is the the information that we're putting out to the guys on on the program as well for them to to be able to take that little bit of ownership. And if if they don't know what they can do to kind of like have those extra little bits of specific work in each areas, then that's why they say they can just reach out and messages and we'll help them. And the amount of times that we've just gone on and said, oh, just try doing this little routine a couple of times a week and just switch that out for, you know, X part of the program. Like these are the little tweaks where like the little, that little in, bit of an individual touch can make a big difference but it's not taking you off track and just completely like rearranging your whole training uh, format so that you, you know, everything's uh, completely individualized to yourself. So I think that's an area like it's the part individualized for people that do need something more specific for weaknesses or injuries. It depends on obviously the, um, the size of the injury and how, how, uh, how much of a problem it could be to, to most exercises, but I feel like the the step that most people would need is just that part individualized program where, you know, it's the majority of the program like we're doing, but they're making sure that they're still getting these, these areas that are, you know, completely focused on their weaknesses and their lowest hanging fruits, as they say, and bringing them up to scratch. Um, like I feel personally, like that's how that's as far as I believe individual programming needs to go. Um, 
unless there's like large problems, someone decides they want to train for something completely different or, you know, there's big injuries or surgeries that need rehabbing from, like only in those instances would I like would say that, yeah, you need something that's completely separate. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, on the note with injuries as well, when you get injured, like it's hard enough for like not being able to do stuff and then kind of losing that whole community feel as well. So for me, if I got injured and then I decided to cancel and not follow anything, like I just feel totally lost. Whereas if I was trying to do what I could around the program and still and set myself some slightly different goals to maybe what I had initially, for example, say you, for example, yourself, Philroy, you've had some, you know, problems with your shoulder, haven't you? Um, which has meant you've not been able to do that much gymnastics. But in place of that, you also know that you need to get a stronger squat and you've probably taken some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Front squat. You've taken some of that extra time that you've probably had on the gymnastic side of things before, and you've kind of just switched it around so, so that that time that you may be doing for the gymnastics, you're now kind of putting a little bit more into your squats while still doing, you know, all your movement mechanics and your, and your rehab, prehab work. Um, but yeah, man, a little bit more, a little bit more. You see this guy's 165 clean. <laughs> Jesus. 160. Whoa, 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 160. He, he ain't 160. caught me up. He 160 ain't, even. He ain't caught me up yet, David. 165. Yo. He's not caught me up yet. Man's still fat. Yeah, see, that. just Wait, give, it a, give it a, 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 give it a week. Give it a couple of weeks. Jesus. Math, I might get myself Saturday. a shoulder injury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so just do one clean this Saturday. I can't Mate, lie. You're still mm-hmm. in, nah. in the gym. You're yeah, still in third place. Phase two. Yeah. Third for place. Clean. For what? Yeah. For the clean. So you're telling me I'm not going to go to first place? <laughs> but Jack, what what you think? What you're forgetting is in terms of years <laughs> left in his career, he's far in first place. David, for this, for this conversation, <laughs> yeah. we can ignore that. <laughs> and creating life is coming. Creating life is coming as well, mate. Mate, don't you worry. I'll still be deadlifting when I'm 70 years old, mate. Don't you worry. Crane life, continu- Crane life is going to continue <laughs> for the next four years. For about five belts. <laughs> for about five belts, yeah. New spinal cord. Now, be I'm, I'm excited. Is coming, David. I'm excited for these retests, to be honest, <laughs> because Phil Roy's got oh, us yeah. at the mo- got us at the moments. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, the retest. He's, he's got us fun. at the moment, but I, I feel like come the end of this cycle, it's I, it's part of it. Like we said before, is whether you've got it between the well, ears, and we're gonna find out if you've got it between the yeah. ears, Phil Roy. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad you finally seen the light. I wore it. I'm still. Hey, some people learn the hard way. 
<laughs> by wasting 20 seconds on a comp floor, the highest competition they've ever been at, but we do. We learn. That was next lap. That was next lap. That's gonna. That could potentially end up being uh, being a negative effect on performance. It gets to the point where Phil Roy is carrying a, a seriously fucking heavy yoke at gates. He has to use a belt. He's just getting flashbacks to what it blues. Oh, no. I'm not. I'm not using the belt. <laughs> Everyone else is wearing a belt. I mean, nah, nah, I don't need it. Yeah, nah, nah, not risking it. With that said, coming into this last phase might be uh, or is a good time to start incorporating uh, the equipment if you're not already, because um, that we we know that the use of a belt, the use of uh, thicker knee sleeves, even things like wrist wraps or on a bench press or a strict press are like piece they they change they can potentially change very very slightly like the movement pattern itself um especially in terms of like the bounce at the bottom of the squat potentially like where you need to like catch the bounce and just like the force curve of the movement can change slightly so it's it's a good now would be a great time to start using the equipment if you're not already so that come max out day if you intend to use that equipment you've already had a good a good enough amount of practice with it we've just got permission from last. david say last. Mm -hmm. we've just had my new sleeve and belt is getting packed for Saturday just right now. permission from David to fully send right it now. This, this, this is probably... Yes, we're sir. coming up to my favourite time of year for training when there's plenty of going big in, in weightlifting sessions. I think this time of the year is big, baby. probably the part that sticks out in my mind the most to be like... Oh, do you remember back in 2016 when I did that 200 kilo back squat double or like there's those sessions that just stick out in your mind where you're like, that was fucking sick. And they all tend to be weightlifting sessions, but. And, do, do you know what? It's, it's, this well, time well, it's, it's this time of the year where like, if you look through, go back through my Instagram, majority of the posts of me with a barbell. <laughs> Like there's like there's like chunks where I'm not and don't touch a barbell. I don't post anything about touching a barbell. And there's chunks where it's like, fuck me, he's got a barbell in his hands every single day, and like PB and and it's like, it's coming mm -hmm. up that time yeah. where there's a good chunk. <laughs> Most of the scene is me in this position, me in this position, or me in this position. Big and every single. I remember there was a um, there was a Wednesday. Yeah, and then we'll have like a, there was a Wednesday that sticks out in my mind where it was like Problem. just a random, you know, Wednesday. Um, like it was a pretty bit, you know, there was some yeah. Max's program, but about eight people from other gyms, all lads came down to JST and we just maxed out in like back squat or front squat or whatever it was. And it was people had just yeah. thought, you know what, I'm coming Everything. up to GST for yeah. this for this today. But I was like, fair play. Wednesday, ditching all your other responsibilities and PTs and classes that you've got, just come and max out with the bros. <laughs> <laughs> it's class. <laughs> yeah. Time to get some PBs. Yeah, it's good. It's it's something I feel like when I was an when I was a younger athlete, shall I say. Um with less responsibilities and less problems, um, I could I could max out a squat every single day. I could max out in a clean snatch variation 
three to four times a week and it not even touch the sides. Now I'm a little bit more like I feel when we hit that back what heavy single, uh, hit that 185 that session in the same week at that 130 pinch. Funnily enough, I got ill towards the end of the week. Uh, I don't know if that was like completely um, like. But I did. I did. Feel, Were you old? I did feel the difference in, um, you know, having that bit of a CNS, um, a little bit of fatigue, but that that change in CNS, having not been. Um, exposed to it yeah. for quite a long period of time um, and that's why it's important to so a lot of the guys now in fact it's we're recording it on the week that they're doing those heavy singles that are eight rpe mm -hmm. that's why it's important that those heavy singles don't surpass that level because you've got to expose yourself to that heavy stimulus before it gets to like the main Heavy stimulants. Yeah. Phil Roy, I'm <clears throat> coughing, at, coughing at you there for continuing and, and failing your back squat. At eight RPE heavy single. Hey. Um, what was your bench at the other day? He's learning. 130, mate. Eight More in the tank. Um, eight RPE. Ask David, I've got 135 there, minting. <laughs> um, right. I'll, I'll, see that? It says Mark. I'll clip that, you know, you know what I mean? I'll clip that. <laughs> Ready yeah, for 135 next week. I'll show you 135 and his faves. Don't you worry about it. I'm putting a belt on, knee mm -hmm. sleeves. Knee sleeves on my elbow. <laughs> Legs wide. Legs wide. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's why it's important. Talking of this with the, uh, with the RPE. Yeah, the um, the first time that... So the phase that we're running now, the strength phase, is um, uh, very similar to one that I ran last year. And... Uh, we, I was training with a, a group of boys and we had, it was probably like one of the best training groups I've, I've been part of that we were just focusing on this, uh, this strength phase. And uh, we had all the same situations where it was like, you'd go to the gym, you'd be feeling really good. You'd hit what you know is an eight RPE, but it would feel so yeah. good that you want to, you want to put a little bit more weight on. And like, you can't, you there, the training partners are not exactly telling you not to put the weight on. <laughs> so it's like, oh, should I, should I do a little bit more or should I, should I save it? And um, it, we, we, we ended up taking the approach and like thinking of it as, um, and, I, and we discussed it as like a, what would be a good mental approach to take to these eight RPE and the nine RPE singles. And then also going into the taper week and like sticking to the percentages of your heavy single that you did before. What, what's a good way to look at it that's going to motivate us to hit the right RPE and save it for the, for the, for the max out. And we thought of it as for every kilo that I save now, when I get to that eight RPE or nine RPE, I'm going to get a return of two to three times that much when I go for my max out. And we believed it so much. We convinced ourselves <laughs> that this is a hundred percent true. Not sure if science wise, if it, if it works that way, but um, it did, it really did help. And we ended up finishing, like we, we nailed the eight RPEs, we nailed the nine RPEs. And when it got to the max out week, like the increase that we had from what was previously our one rep maxes, or even what was previously a nine RPE was insane because we'd saved up these kilos and we'd all, not, not just like a, the physiological adaptation, but also like the mental aspect of knowing that you hit that, that weight, X weight, 
and you know you had five kilos left in the tank. So then when it comes to that max out week and you're more recovered than when you hit the nine RPE, you taper down. And when the last time you hit it, you had five kilos in the tank, you're like, you're getting ready to have another 10 kilos in the tank by the time you hit that number again. And that's, it's a brilliant feeling to have when you're working up to that max out as opposed to the opposite feeling of that nine RPE <laughs> was actually more like an 11 RPE. And now I'm supposed to beat that. I mean, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so say, save yourself. And that like, it, it's, uh, it's well yeah. worth it for the feeling that you're going to get in max yeah. out. With. Looking forward to it. Big time. Right. We've, uh, we've oh, been talking be for quite a while there, so we should probably, um, save our voices for our other halves later on. Mm. Mm. Um, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, baby. Yeah. My, my pillar talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> events we've got coming I've, up. I've, I've, one. Another, I've got another four years of stories. Of David. <laughs> I've got another four years of stories about David for the next. <laughs> I'll say I keep saving them. So every every, every chat, another one that happened. Keep keep filtering them through. Plenty of them. <laughs> what, the... oh, okay. Yeah. All right then. I'm not even sure. We're building up. We're building up. I'm not going to use them all at once. <laughs> Love that. Um, <laughs> events we've got coming up. Cool. We've got regionals. 30 September at every region near regionals. you. Um, book on that through Circle if you've not already. Uh, we'll be sending links out mm-hmm. um, via social media channels in the near, very near future. We've already released them through a couple of the community groups already and the GST athlete community group as well. Um, anything else you got coming up, Steve? Uh, we, well, we've got this probably not going to be released in time, but we've got this training day coming up this weekend yeah. at Gloucester uh, at Nidus with the open water swimming. It's worth pointing out that that's also going to be the launch of Super Saturdays again, just so for the people that, you know, do want to still get together in groups in between these regional training days, like we've had quite a decent break since the last season, and it's another six weeks until regionals kicks off again. So Super Saturdays is back, launched for people to get together in groups, like hit some big training, some big lifts, workouts, bit of team fun as well. Um, just keep that hype building for when people do get the chance on a Saturday to to get together. So we're excited to relaunch that and, and keep something rolling. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, until regionals. Great. Um, let's wrap it up there then, boys. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, I see that James just randomly sneaked off somewhere. And- <laughs> yeah, cheers, guys. Southerners, eh? Southerners, eh? He's Southern fairies. Southerners. I think he's, he, he, he probably he probably skipped some training and felt very guilty about it after our talk about accountability. <laughs> oh, he's just quickly nipped off to get his heart trophy. Yeah, he's ATG squats. Right, the boys. We'll catch you soon. Cool. Hey, then. Hans got some squats to do. Did it.